Well, good morning again. Let me begin with a question. Does anybody know what the 2022 word of the year was for the Oxford University Press? I can't believe none of you know. The ones who publish the Oxford English Dictionary. Well, I'll tell you, it's the word goblin mode. How do you not know this? Goblin mode uh, refers to the self-indulgent, sloppy, at-home living habits formed during the pandemic. Yeah, see, now we know what it is, yes. And in this picture by Steve Nisi, who did a great job, you see that guy there with his work laptop, obviously carrying over the habits he developed during the pandemic. You know, during the pandemic, no one went to work. You stayed at home. So there were habits that were formed, maybe not for everyone, but for some, where they realized, oh, I don't have to get all dressed up. You know, just my face has to look okay, you know, on Zoom. And, uh, and they developed these habits that now, which became the new word of the year for last year, uh, was to describe these bad habits that were formed. Because even though we're out of the pandemic in that same sense, and now people are going back to work, these habits carry with them. Habits are those patterns that are developed in your life when you continue to do something over and over. That's what a habit is. And our habit for 2023 is repentance. We want this to be our habit because in in the Bible, God has given us this great gift of repentance and wants it to be a regular part of our life. Because habits can either free you up or keep you down. And like this picture, some of us have bad habits, and what God wants to do is develop good habits in us. So repentance, we introduced last week. Does anybody remember what repentance means? It means the changing of one's mind. Now, the Greek word for mind, don't just think a mental intellectual exercise. To this culture, mind also meant your desires and your decisions. So it was more than just knowledge. It was when someone said your mind, that word for mind could also mean soul. The idea of this is who you are, what you're thinking, what the desires you have. So if I were to try to translate and teach people in our day, I would say that repentance is where your mind is changed to think about something God's way and your heart wants what He wants. It's more than just knowing that something needs to change and something you're doing is not right. It's actually wanting God's way. But the problem is a person doesn't repent until they're convicted. Last week we looked at John 16, 8, where we saw God convicts us. That word for conviction means to convince us, to change our mind about something. That's why conviction leads to repentance. No one repents until they're convicted, until they realize the direction I was going was the wrong way, and what I really want to do is go God's way. God's way is better. But repentance isn't the finish line. Repentance is a habit that also leads to further action. So in the New Testament, you have this flow, kind of like a workflow. You have this workflow of conviction first, 
And if you respond to conviction the biblical way, repentance. Now, you can choose not to respond to conviction. The Holy Spirit could convict you, uh, your brother or sister in Christ could say truth that makes you feel convicted. You can be, you can face conviction and not really change your mind. And I'm going to talk more about that next week because uh, repentance, uh, there's different there's different perspectives on repentance. And in Hebrews chapter 6, the first 10 verses, if any of you are familiar with that passage, speaks about repentance and about those that do not repent, that reject the conviction. So repentance leads to two outcomes. God's design for repentance is that it would lead you to one of two things, confession and obedience. Conviction is meant to lead you to repentance and repentance, this changing of mind and heart to where you don't want it, there's something to do after you have repented. After you realize this is not right, God wants to lead you to confession and obedience. And these are so closely tied together, most people use these words synonymously, even though they're not talking about the exact same thing. Repentance is not the same thing as confession. And confession is not the same thing as obedience. You, they're meant to be uh, together. They're meant to work together, uh, but repentance is meant to lead is meant to lead to uh, confession. God's desire is that we would follow repentance with confession. You know, I've I do uh, I just I ha- I did a, I officiated a wedding this weekend, and it was at the Wichita Art Museum. It was great. It was beautiful. Really liked the couple. They're super fun and, and wonderful, and. Uh, so I do premarital counseling, and I do marital counseling. And uh, I remember this one time I was with a husband and a wife, and they were just like you, okay? And this wife was really upset, and the guy was defeated. And the wife says, He's, he did this and this, and he just won't admit it, and he just won't say sorry and whatever. And I, I turn to the guy, and I say, Guy, what's wrong with you? Come on, dude, you should know this wrong. He goes, I knew it was wrong when I did it, and uh, I feel bad about it. I wish I wouldn't have done it. I'm really sorry. And I scratch my head, and I look at the wife, and I say, uh, she goes, well, that's the first time you said that. <laughs> and I looked over at the guy. I was like, dude, you have to say it. It's not, it's not enough that you feel bad about it and that you realize it was wrong. You mean you never told her this was wrong? And, you know, they always look at me like a deer in headlights, like, well, well. She never asked, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, When you realize you're wrong, there's something you've got to do about it. The Bible calls that confession. Realizing it's wrong is part of repentance, but it's meant to lead you to confess and openly share. You see this throughout the New Testament. It started with John the Baptist. I know I've mentioned him before. Got to mention him again. He is like the the first, the last of the Old Testament prophets, the first of the New Testament introduction. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, him being John the baptizer. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, if you know the story about John the baptizer, he preached a message of repentance. He preached about repentance. This is why you get baptized. This is the changing of your mind and heart. You realize there's only one way to be made clean, and that's from uh, from rejecting your sin. That's, That's how God saves you. And so they symbolize that with baptism. 
But after they were baptized, they were confessing. If you go a few verses down, uh, he talks about the fruit of repentance, which also has to do with obedience, the other response to repentance. But they were confessing their sins. They not only knew that they were wrong, they not only had a change of heart, they admitted it. But confession is more than admission, isn't it? It's not just admit. Do you know that you can admit that you did something and not really be repentant or really confessing? You can admit that you did something and feel proud about it. You could admit you did something wrong and be arrogant about it. So confession is more than admission, it's agreement. We use the word agreement, it's agreement with God. Because that, that word confession is a compound word. Uh, if any of you are used to this language that this was written in, the word confession is made up of either three words or two of those three words in, another, in other places, but three words. This, it's ex homo Lagos. It's really lageo when you put it together because it's a verb. But if you've heard the word, the Greek word logos before, it means word. Homo means same. I think we know that in our day. Ex or ek in the Greek means out of. So this word confession means to say the same thing out loud. And in biblical terms, it means you say the same thing that God says about whatever it is you're confessing about. Now, this surprised me. The word confession that's used dozens and dozens of times in the New Testament, do you know most of the time, nearly all of the time, it's not talking about confessing your sins? That surprised me. It it talks about the confession of your faith. Uh, Jesus uses it multiple times, confess Jesus as Lord, confess Jesus as the Christ. If you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before the Father. That word confess is most of the time talking about you are saying the same thing about Jesus that God says about Jesus. But other times, a few other times, what we'll look at today, confession is about saying the same thing God says about your sin about your situation. So, the point is, you can't say repentance is a habit in your life if confession is not also a habit in your life. You can't say that, oh, I'm a repentant person if you're the kind of person that never says, I'm sorry. There's so many marriage counseling appointments that I just wish, I mean, they're upset about something legitimate and The other side's upset about something legitimate, and it always comes down to a point, if you guys would just admit it to one another, if you would just say it to one another, just be on the same team, that's God's desire for confession, to say the same thing that God says. So repentance should lead us to confession, and we see a great explanation of confession in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse (coughs) 5, sorry. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That word for practice is connected to habit forming. We're not practicing the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, that we're walking with Him, but we're really not. We're walking in darkness, which He explains in the following verses, which means not confessing. Then we're lying, 
We're even lying to ourselves. We're lying to others. We're not proclaiming the truth, and we are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Also, I'm going to get to this, but in that interesting, verse 6 says fellowship with Him, and then verse 7, fellowship with one another. Why does He change that? I'll tell you. I'll tell you later. Anyway, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. And John further explains what he means by walking in the light in verse 8. He just continues, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, sins plural, which means something, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, a perfect verb, we have not continues on forever, we have never, we don't, this sin is not a problem for us, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. In these short verses, John explains what it means to walk in the light, to be a confessional Christian, to be someone who proclaims the truth, agrees with God about our sin, not denying we have sinned, not denying that we've never sinned, admitting what we've done, and not just admitting, but agreeing and acknowledging what God says about it is true. He develops that using one of his favorite illustrations, light and darkness. He uses light and darkness. So I'm going to give a three-point outline like we almost always do, But I wanted to give credit to Pastor Tim Ross, who I read some of his stuff. I watched uh, uh, some of his stuff on this. I'm actually using 90 plus percent of his outline, but the exposition is mine, and you can tell because it'll be my stories. But I'm using his outline because I thought it was really good and, and easy to remember. So confession should be our first response to repentance. And point number one, why? Because confession turns the light on. Confession turns the light on. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with God, Him being God, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We're doing two things, denial and bad living. But if we walk in the light, what does that mean to walk in the light? Well, he explains it later in verse 8 and 9, to walk in the light is connected with confessing, being honest, being open, truthful, agreeing with God about sin. As He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we say that we have fellowship and yet walk in darkness, we lie. The opposite of confession is denial. He goes so far as to call it lying. When you're not agreeing with God, do you know when you disagree with God, you're believing a lie or living a lie or telling a lie when you don't agree with God? When you disagree with God, the opposite of confession is lying. Lying and denial. And denial leads to covering up the truth. So what John is explaining is something that you all have experienced. Every one of us has experienced this this sinful train, this line of living. When we don't confess, we're in denial. We're refusing to acknowledge our situation the way God does meaning that we're denying the conviction of the Holy Spirit, of His Word, of His truth, of His people. However God is bringing His truth to us, we're denying it. Which means we're going to have to hold secrets. 
when you're denying the truth, you have to keep secrets because you're not only denying and lying, but you're lying to yourself. And when we hold secrets, we have to isolate. You stop being around Christian brothers and sisters. You stop uh, listening to your spouse because they know the best about you. You, you want to get away from the people around you who know what's really going on when you're not confessional. When you're not open with it, you isolate. Well, the more you isolate, the more silent you are. Why do you become silent? Because you have something you should say, but you're not saying it. So if you're a believer, there's something in you that's not wanting to say anything. Your countenance falls. Your demeanor changes. You become this grumpy person. Why? Because you're holding it in. You're not confessional. Well, if you isolate and you're silent and you're denying, eventually you got to cover up your silence some way. You can't just be a grumpy old rump. you got to do something. So you cover up your silence by pretending everything's fine. You're not only lying to yourself, but now you have to lie to others to cover up your sin that you're not confessing. And you're not only pretending that everything's fine, but eventually you find yourself pretending that you are someone you're not. And when you come to church, you've got a mask on, and you're what the New Testament calls hypocritical because you're covering up the truth. You're not agreeing with God about what's really true, and you're, hold, you're holding it in. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But confession turns the light on. I, I, I use examples from my own life because that's the illustrations I know the best. Um, when I was a kid uh, growing up in my home, my home was a little dysfunctional, and my mom, uh, she kept everything. And when I say everything, I mean more than what you're thinking. And so we couldn't have people over our house. We never had guests, ever. Uh, if we ever had guests and they weren't family members, uh, Child Protective Services ended up getting called, and that was never my mom's favorite. So we had no one in the house. Um, and when I was a teenager, after I moved back in with my, my mom, my mom was a single mom, and she's been through a lot, and we have a great relationship now, but she's had, just like all of us, has her own dysfunctions and her own weaknesses, and, and, uh, and I love her, but she doesn't know how to let go of things. And so uh, eventually I lived in the basement. But I wanted my friends to come over as a teenager. You know, I actually had a friend, believe it or not. And so I would, I would have to turn the lights off in the basement so they couldn't see the basement. And we would just run down the stairs straight to my room. That was my room so that no one would see. There are some people in this room living that way right now. I don't care about the mess in your basement. But internally, that's what's going on in your life. You have become a pack rat of not practicing the truth. And because you haven't been honest about it, there's a dungeon in your life buried underneath the living area that you don't want to expose. And you just keep the lights off so that no one knows. You don't want to be exposed. And confession turns the light on. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to turn the light on. It's ugly at first, very ugly, very messy. When you turn the light on, you see things you didn't see before. You ever walk in some room and you turn the light and go, ooh, never mind, and you just walk out? That's going to happen. That's all of us. 
God wants you to turn the light on, and confessing is turning the light on. He says in, uh, he writes in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I love this. Why didn't he say we have fellowship with him? I dare you to try to study that. It's so good. He says in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with, you would assume it would be natural, it would be with him. That's who we just said. We want to have fellowship, but he doesn't say that. We have fellowship with one another. God, His design for confession is also for our fellowship. See, God already knows, right? God's not like you and me. God doesn't need the light. He is the light. And you need Him in your basement. God knows what's going on. As far as fellowship is concerned, if you're a believer in Christ, He's already with you. Now, you may be blind and in the mud at the moment, and you may have the lights off, but He sees everything. He doesn't need artificial light. But the people around you, that's, that's what needs more fellowship. When you are confessional, it builds the fellowship with the people around you. You can't have a good, healthy relationship with someone that you're lying to, period. Not with God and not with others. And so John pushes that in. And fellowship, not with God, what we would expect, but with one another. It reminds me of a commercial. The family and I have been watching uh, football does anybody like the Kansas City Chiefs? Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're the best team. I don't care what Pastor Will says. I love them. Anyway, but during one of the commercials, it's, I don't, it could be a pizza commercial or an insurance commercial. I actually don't know, but it's this guy and his son. And he's like, I didn't scream when I saw the spider. And he's like, he throws this red flag, replay. And, he says, Let, and they watch it and you hear the scream. And he goes, oh, he, he realizes what he did was wrong. Okay. That replay is like turning the light on. You can do it without someone needing to have a camera video recording you if you just call your own foul. Call your own play. Admit it. Confess. Turn the light on. So confession turns the light on. And number two, confession keeps us from fooling ourselves. It's so easy to lie to ourselves, isn't it? If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves. Let's try that one more time. It's great to repeat Scripture. I'm not asking you to do anything funny. This is great. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. We are fooling ourselves when we're not confessional, when we're not agreeing and openly confessing and admitting and acknowledging the truth about us. We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 8 is such a hard word for the good Christian. The one who's grown up in church all their lives, got saved when they were two and a half. They just do all the right things. They watch. I mean, they're, I don't have anything to confess. Holy living is possible. Thinking that you've arrived is not healthy. What he's saying in verse 8 is, if we say that we have no sin, no sin, I have no sin, we're just lying to ourselves. Every single one of us has some room in our heart with the light off and the lock on the door 
because we are not ready to go in there. We haven't let Jesus go in there. He's been knocking, ready to go in there, and we've not addressed that problem. And if you think that you have no sin to confess, I know the sin you have. It's called pride. You think you are just perfect. You're doing everything God wants you to do. You're doing nothing God doesn't want you to do. You couldn't be better. If that's you, I know the confession. You, just, you need to confess pride. You need to confess that you, on a daily basis, need God's grace and mercy, and sometimes you fumble. No one's batting a thousand, and the person who thinks they're batting a thousand is lying to themselves first. So he begins, we're deceiving ourselves. You know, when you, when you first turn the light off, it's, it's very dark, and you know it. But have you ever been in the dark long enough that you started to acclimate and it didn't bother you? And you're like, oh, just, turn, just keep the lights off. It's no big deal. Your, your pupils, uh, the opposite of dilate, maybe? No, dilate's the bigger one. Which one's the big one? Dilate? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you guys are way smarter than I am. Your pupils get bigger, and uh, it receives more light. And so the darkness is not as dark anymore. But I can tell you what, you can't clean a baseboard in the dark. No, I can. I heard someone say, I, okay, <laughs> listen, if... if if you've been a mother and a grandmother, you probably can. But for the rest of us, for the sake of this illustration, you can't see everything you need to see with the lights off. Even if you've got comfortable with the dark, there's things that you're going to miss. I remember one time uh, one of our coworkers came to work and she had two different shoes on. One was black, one was brown. And I'm OCD and, and other dysfunctions too, but I noticed immediately, and I was like, hey, that's new and trendy. And uh, no, thank you. That is not, she did not mean to do that. And she's like, oh, I got ready in the dark. Anyway, she called her daughter. She ended up bringing the new, I mean, she was, I was like, who cares? No one's going to look at yours except for me. Why did I bring it up? Because uh, she got dressed in the dark. She couldn't tell the difference. You know, when we do this with socks, that's easy to do. No matter what you think, you need the light to see. And you're only fooling yourselves if you, can, if you think you can see in the dark. Being honest and confessing our wrongs keeps us from pride and ignorance. And so I'll, I'll summarize a little bit of 1 John 1 with this statement using these verses we've looked at. If you disagree with God, which is the opposite of confession, if you disagree with God, you will walk in darkness, and you will live in denial. That's what John desperately wants the church to know. That's what God wants you to realize, wants to share with you, wants to draw you to himself. If you disagree with God, if you ignore the truth, if you ignore conviction, if you're not paying attention, if you're not in the Word, if you're not changing through the power of the Word, if you're not, you're walking in darkness and you're living in denial and that's no fun. But if you're confessional, you're not fooling yourself. I like the illustration. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. When I wear a white t-shirt, I eat differently. <laughs> like there's certain foods, like if Courtney made spaghetti at home and I walk in from work and I got a nice work shirt on, 
I don't even pretend to go to the kitchen table. Immediately, I'm like, I can't eat in this shirt. And I go and get a, a black shirt. I go get the darkest shirt, shirt that doesn't mean anything to me. Because when you wear white, you eat differently. Some of you, when you wear nice white tennis shoes, you play differently, don't you? You don't do the same thing in white that you do in dark. Why? Because stains show up when you're wearing white. You're more cautious. Being confessional is like wearing white. It makes you more aware of what you're really doing, and you're not fooling yourself as easily. So confession turns the light on. It keeps us from fooling ourselves. And number three, confession cleanses our soul. Confession is so such a gift to the church. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Then you have the comparing parallel verse in verse 9, as John has been walking through this. If we confess our sins, it's compared to walking in the light. He is faithful and righteous so that He will forgive us our sins, plural, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God so desperately wants to clean up the mess that's going on inside. He has the power to clean that stain. You know, I have a wonderful, beautiful wife. I'm really blessed. And um, if I get a stain on my shirt and I just throw it in the dirty clothes, I might as well burn that shirt. I might as well... Uh, I don't know if any other husbands have this rule in their home. If you get a stain on your clothes, you have to tell your wife if she cleans your clothes. I have to bring it in the washroom. I have to put the toothbrush that we scrub it with. I have to verbally tell her. There's got to be verbal confirmation or it doesn't count. There's a stain on this shirt. Please don't not know there's a stain on the shirt. Because if I do, she will get the stain out. She's magic. She like, I've got coffee, blood, Food like spaghetti. I've had stuff on my shirts. As long as I tell her, she'll get the stain out. But let me throw that in the dirty clothes and not tell her there's a stain on it, and she washes and dries it and finds out, I'd, I'd rather move out. I'd be like, what? <laughs> she does not like that. She does not appreciate that. If you just tell me, I'll clean it. You know, God's that way with us. You, you think because you've been, wa- you've been forgiven, and you are, you're forgiven, your fellowship with Christ is fine, you, He loves you, He saved you, you're fine, but some of us are walking around with stains that we're trying to cover up and hide because we haven't dealt with the real issue. We're forgiven, but we're not cleansed in the way that John is speaking about Christians and their sin. We have to be honest and open about it. Otherwise, we're just going to try to hide it, and we're going to cover up, and we're going to live in denial. And we're, You know, when I have a stain on my shirt, I'm different. I really am. I, I've got one shirt that I really liked back in the day, and somehow it got this thing on the shoulder, and it just wouldn't go away. It, it was actually a tear. It wasn't really a stain. But I could only wear that dress shirt with a coat, with a jacket, because I didn't want anyone to see this part. But, buddy, it looked nice under the jacket, as long as no one knew what was underneath you act and live and talk, and, and you are different when you're trying to cover up something that God says, I'll cleanse it. I will wash you whiter than snow. When King David wrote Psalm 51, and he says, create in me a, a, a clean heart, 
And he talks about washing me whiter than snow with hyssop. You know, when he was exp- that wasn't when, when David got saved. That's not when he became a person who had faith in the God of the universe. He had already had faith in God. But he had a sin that he was covering up. It was messing him up. And he needed God to address that. God wants to address what's going on in your life. But you got to confess it. you got to be honest about it. And you got to agree with them. In Psalm 32, I read it at the beginning of the service, verse 1. Blessed, happy, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Covered, not hidden, but the word for atonement, that, that Hebrew word that means it's covered by the blood, it's paid for. Like when you say, oh, your meal is covered. It's paid for. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You see that connection? You're not deceiving yourselves. There's no deceit because you're honest about it. You're open about it. There's no sin that you're covering up. For when I kept silent, which David's talking about when I wasn't honest and open about my sin and I didn't agree with God about it and I was covering up or I was ignoring it, whatever the case, I wasn't confessional about it. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Which God's discipline is actually a gift. And some of you in this room are like this right now. You're unhappy. And for some of you, you're unhappy because you're covering something up and you haven't dealt with it. And it's like your bones are wasting away. And maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you feel like, I can't kick that sin, or I don't know what to do, or if I admit it, then all this bad stuff's going to happen. I don't know where to go. Go to Christ. He's the first one that you confess to, and He will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. He will forgive your sin. He will clean you up. If you go to Him and say, I agree with you, what I've been doing, what I've been thinking, the direction I've been going is not right, and what I really need is you. I want to turn this this around, so I am turning in confession and obedience to you. I need your forgiveness. God is so ready to forgive you. Because if you keep silent, your bones are just going to waste away. It's going to eat you up inside. You're going to feel that heavy hand of conviction. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. A warrior that knows what it's like to go without food in the desert, without water. That tiredness of you can't go on. But then the transition is in verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. God wants to forgive us. He wants to make us new. He wants to cleanse us, but we have to confess. That's why in verse 6 he says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you. Talk about confession. Talk to him. Lift that prayer to him. Everyone. While there's still time. Who is godly, offer a prayer to you at the time when you may be found. He continues that verse, there's going to come a time when he's not going to be found, when, 
when the flood comes down. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. For those of you in here, for those of you watching online, if you have never confessed your sin to God, and you, like in verse 10, maybe the, la- the last slide in 1 John 1, 1.8, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, verse 10 talks about the non-believer. If we say that we have not sinned, it's a perfect tense, it means it's never been an issue. If we say that, if that's our confession, we've never confessed our sin, we make God a liar and His Word is not in us. You don't want to be in that boat. If you've never confessed your sin to God, now is the time, today is the day you can confess it. And if you're a believer and you know that you have sin that you've not dealt with with God, confess it and He'll cleanse you. The worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us through song and we're going to pray together. Use this time of song as a time of prayer, as a time of honesty before the Lord. Confess your sins. If you want to pray with someone up front after the music, because you know some of us are going to be praying up front, please come and pray with us. We'd love to pray for you. God has given confession as a gift. It's a response to repentance. And let's do that now.